today at Lawyer and the Dropout, we are honored to have our, as our guest, Katie Sir, who Katie is a part of a new generation of dating and holistic life coaches. She is the author of Become a First Date Expert, which is available not just on Amazon, but also her website. And she is also a matchmaker with Luma Luxury Matchmaking. So welcome, Katie. How are you? Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. So before, hey Katie, glad to have you. Um, so you are visiting California at this time. I am. I'm currently in San Clemente. I was just visiting my sister. She was to San Diego. Now I'm with some family in San Clemente and uh, also experiencing the bizarre thunderstorm with you guys. I know. Yeah, you brought the weird. weather with you. I know. I'm bad luck. <laughs> so where are you What were you thinking? <laughs> so I'm from Minnesota. I'm from Eden Prairie, just outside of Minneapolis. And uh, it's been, it's been a neat journey. I'm kind of escaping the cold right now, which is nice. You know, I'm going to tell you something funny I'm today. Ready. It is 46 degrees in orange County and it's freezing. I'm really suffering here. <laughs> it is 49 degrees where I am and we might, me and the dogs might die. I know we had, we had hail and it was exciting because I thought it was snow. I was like, whoa, snow in Los Angeles. No, it was hail. I've got I've got heaters on. I'm wearing sweats. Yeah. I'm I'm being very dramatic because anything below 64, and you might as well just kill me. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are so spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> we are. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Katie. Uh, you brought you brought the winter. Uh, I know. <laughs> so thank you. Now, did you know my, Katie, did you know my podcast is, it started out as a response to George Floyd. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Ha has, has there finally been peace in Minneapolis? Oh, uh, not really. I mean, <laughs> I mean, in some ways, sure. It's also just a hot mess. I mean, things are all over the place. There's all sorts of, you know, strong opinions flying around. And um, there are a lot of neighborhoods still in Minneapolis that are boarded up. And I think a lot of them are just not wanting to rebuild and fix them out of fear that something might happen again. Um, there is most of our malls have a ton of stories out. I mean, so many businesses have been going out of business and, um, as, as it is for almost everywhere in the country, but, um, it's, it's not the best, but there are parts where it's like, we still, we're still Minnesota. We're still, you know, great communities and the suburbs, especially as you get further out of the city, we're the same old, same old there's, um, you guys will appreciate this. There's huge festivals that happen on top of the frozen lakes. I've heard of them. I've been invited to them. I have actively stayed in California for them. <laughs> Complete with uh, igloos and ice fishing and fur coats. Oh, yeah. Whole dealio. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> one of, oh, one of these betcha. days, it's oh, my yeah. resolution to, to go ice skating on a frozen lake. I've yet to do that. Really? Oh, my gosh. I'll just come north and easy peasy. Yeah. My so plan is to take my godson ice skating on a frozen lake while I sit on the land 
with with Coco. Oh, you'll be <laughs> fine. You don't even the thing with frozen lakes is you don't even realize it's not ground if you go at the right time. I mean, there are some times where it's the best is when it hasn't actually snowed yet, but the temperature tanks. So then the ice is really clear and that's actually the strongest ice. So all you need is like, why does that sound like the scariest? <laughs> I know It's crazy though. You can like see fish under it and everything, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna crack. All you need is three, four inches and you can put just about anything on the ice. So there's a science um, to this. It's fun. And then once the snow comes, it actually makes it, oh, there's so much. Oh my gosh. My boyfriend, Dusty, could t- he's a little guru <laughs> about it. And I have friends that are professional ice fishermen and it's hilarious. See, as a, as a hockey player, this is like a recurring flashback I have when I sleep. I have like, I have these flashes where <laughs> like I fall, I'm skating and I fall through the ice and bad things happen. <gasps> oh no. I traumatize myself <laughs> mildly every night. <laughs> But anyways, how how's all you got to do, all you got to do if you start falling through the ice is put your arms out so that when you fall through, you catch yourself and then you can just climb back out. You mean don't wear a life jacket? I mean, you can, but the best way to do, I mean, you're not going to wear a life jacket if you're standing on like really hard ice, but it's something word of I might. <laughs> it's just extra insulation at that point, but just remember, put your arms out. And then you'll be just fine. Or if you feel things start to crack, you kind of like lay down and you just want to disperse the weight. So the more direct weight you have on one spot is when that's likely to fall through. If it's weak, if it's not weak, you'll be fine. See, that sounds perfect because I can't keep balance. So I'm just going to fall flat on my face anyway. There we go. So I'm already at my safest position. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll carry you out. Don't worry, Iris. So how's, how's Orange County? How are you liking cloudy Southern California? You know, I like it. The beach is great. I'm very fortunate where I got to be here for that heat wave the past, you know, a couple of days ago. And that was really nice. So I got to go swimming. We visited a few different beaches around here. My dog loves them. Um, You're a brave woman. You went swimming in February in the ice cold Pacific. Ice cold, whatever. I've been in ice cold water. She's from Minnesota. (laughs) This water is amazing. (laughs) It just feels like the Pacific Ocean was a spa for her. Oh, that's, that's, that's remarkable. It, um, felt, it felt like a good ice bath for, you know, reducing inflammation in your legs and feet, you know, <laughs> <laughs> anti-inflammatory. Yeah. But I will say it's busy here. I mean, there are a lot of people and that's a little like, not the biggest fan. Um, it's beautiful. You know, everyone's in general has been super nice, really chill. It's great but there is just a lot of humans or there's, there are a lot of humans. And so um, I'd be kind of curious on what you guys do to get away from humanity a bit where it's a little easier for us up North, but maybe that's not as big of a thing here. It's funny that you say that because every time I go to Minneapolis, my favorite thing is Minneapolis has everything I love about the big cities in California, but like a quarter. Exactly. It is fantastic. (laughs) exactly we have not amazing parking but better parking and comparatively it's amazing (laughs) don't sell yourself short (laughs) so how did you get into the wide open world of dating coaching you know it I like to say that it found me um I have a background in marketing then I went through this what a brilliant transition (laughs) 
oh my god (laughs) (laughs) honestly though for dating in general and early dating is all about effective marketing it's all about PR oh absolutely and that's what's fun it's a fun topic I talk about in my book too is it's all about communicating effectively portraying yourself effectively, having an effective first impression and being in control of that. There's so much that goes into it that we just can relate to business principles too, which is really great. But I got into, I got into it. Um, I went through a big heartbreak. I thought my life was over. And, um, when that happened, we had, we went to a super small Christian college. It was part of the culture, just ring by spring. This is how it goes. And we got to the point where we're like, okay, we either get engaged or we don't. And literally by the grace of God, uh, we broke up and we realized this wasn't actually healthy. And so you, so you did not get your MRS degree. I did not. I did not. Thankfully. Um, now are there, are there so some, bad. are there like, you're talking about the unique pressures of dating within a Christian college. Were there some like strange cringeworthy teachings that, uh, you've received over the years regarding dating oh yeah oh yeah gosh pretty much I will let me just say this most of my business and professional life has been rescuing Christians from dating culture Christian dating culture you know which is kind of my um, next question because I know your specialty is helping the good guys get first dates correct Mm -hmm. your clientele are mostly good guys so for example they have both parents. They have a good education. They they have good jobs. They have a strong um, foundation. I'm gonna, actually, I call it the good-hearted guys. So mm-hmm. guys with the with wholesome intentions. So they have a very wide variety of backgrounds, what from different family lives, different professional lives. But the good-hearted guys is what I focus on. So just continue. Is there anything that you see in common? among good-hearted guys as to why they have trouble dating? Like, for example, are they too sheltered? Do they, have they received uh, cringeworthy, incorrect teachings over the years? There, I can't put everyone in a box necessarily, but a lot of commonalities that I've seen are, um, there's so many things we could go into. Uh, One of them is self-confidence, self-awareness, feeling comfortable in their own skin, embracing their own sexuality, which, and their their sensual side, which was for many of us very deemed as, it was a very polarizing thing. And growing up in the purity movement, purity culture movement, that had a huge impact on how people view relationships of the opposite sex in any capacity. I mean, how many of us, I don't know if you guys went to summer camp much around here, but up North, it's like, you all pretty much go to summer camp. And at summer camp, they're like, no purple, absolutely no purple, no, no blue and pink together, which is no boys or girls hanging out basically. And that's traumatizing because then we're never told, I mean, I have only sisters and I play volleyball. So I have a lot of girls around me. I'm pretty good with girls, but men and boys were always these mystery creatures. And Fortunately, I had a lot of quality guy friends, but I know a lot of men that never were encouraged to have female friends because it was always this. It's always that either you're dating mm-hmm. or if you're talking to her, you want to date. Exactly. exactly. So there is no, I was going to, I mean, I was going to wait till later, but I did want to talk to you about how I don't believe the friend zone exists. Ooh, I want to hear about that. I don't believe the friend zone exists because if a guy says he's 
put into the friend zone, then he was never actually being the woman's friend to begin with. He was just waiting her out. Ooh. So either you see a woman as your friend or you're just waiting for your time for your chance. What if what if you you know shot your shot and she rejected you in that light and then you guys remain friends so you're saying that's not actually being a friend that's just waiting out until she changes her mind i'm saying that for a lot of men that is what it is again i can't put them all into a box right but i mean generally there's a lot of the the men that complain about the friend zone are the ones that were never actually a friend. Mm-hmm. That that's interesting. I I saw like a, one of those chain emails back in the late '90s about how uh, <laughs> men have uh, men have one ladder and women have two. So what that means is that women will put into two boxes those that they could potentially see as more than friends and those that they simply see as just friends. Whereas for men, potentially any woman they know, potentially uh, they could see being more than friends with. Any validity to that? Exactly. I actually really agree with that. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, there, I mean, there are some as far as I will say, so I'm, I don't know if you guys know, I'm very, very tall. So I'm six foot one and I- What's that like? <laughs> It's great as an adult. It was terrible as an awkward teenager. Uh, I, I asked because I'm, I'm not going to put my actual height on here, but let's just say I'm four foot nothing. Okay. It is difficult. <laughs> gotcha. Mm-hmm. So I think we probably have similar, su- similar struggles just on opposite ends of the spectrum. But I know we, I know neither of us can find fitting pants. Exactly. <laughs> Amen. Much Amen. less fitting pants with pockets, which is something Iris taught me. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. So hard to find functional pockets. So, so with that, though, is, I mean, I've had men that see me and they're like, oh, she's two feet taller than me. I don't, I, I don't and probably never will find her sexually attractive. So therefore, we're just going to have this beautiful, <laughs> unmutual understanding of like, we are going to be strictly platonic and it's a great friendship that we have. So mm-hmm. I think it's to some capacity we all have, which kind of goes into your question before, James, about leagues and stuff. I think we do all have a healthy perception or we should have a healthy perception um, of what is familiar to us and what is appropriately familiar to us. And so I do believe in leagues. I think it's, I think it's healthy to have a, a clear understanding of how you are perceived by the world, but also we find ourselves attracted to those that we are around. So people that are, sorry, we find ourselves attracted to those that are familiar to us. So if they remind us of someone from our general community, we will probably find them tangible and reachable within our dating league. You know, that's really interesting because um, that that goes to my number one tip for increasing the number of those that are interested in you, um, which is to, with your best friend, brainstorm what type of member of the opposite sex would be most likely to be attracted to the type of person you are. So 
going back to what you said about what's familiar, for me, the type of woman that would be most attracted to the type of person I am is someone, a woman who is Korean American and has a college education, perhaps a professional career and a Christian background and understands the food and the culture and the language and so on. So a woman like that would most likely be attracted to um, who I am, what I offer. We can relate to our experiences growing up. And it's interesting because um, growing up, I've always been attracted to white women and I've, I've, I've psychoanalyzed why this is. And I think white women growing up were my imago. They, they were my, you know, when you, when you grow up in America there, you see uh, white actresses, white models, um, white singers. So the white standard of beauty becomes your imago. And that kind of became what I was attracted to from an early age. At, if it, if it makes you feel any better, James, I, I almost exclusively date white men. And it's not something that I even put a lot of thought into as it was happening. It was just, nope, this is what I'm going to get. <laughs> Yeah. But at the same time, I realized I'm not their imago, you know, because growing up, most white women, I think they envision when, when they're little, they envision marrying a white man. That's it's not their fault. They're not being cruel. That's just what they envisioned growing up. So I understand I'm not their imago. And there was a it's part right of back me, to the media. Yeah. And and there's always a part of me that presented to us. There's always a part of me that feels like a misfit um, being, you know, being a minority and and. Uh, you know, perhaps, perhaps I thought maybe if I marry a white woman, then that'll be my ticket to fitting into American culture. But then I realized that's not the only way that there is to fit into American culture. So um, that was that was my tip, and uh, I was wondering what you, what you thought about that with what you said about leagues. I think you touched on a couple different things there, and I think attraction is one thing. So, for example. I have this kind of odd thing, but I am just like, I love Indian guys. I'm into them. I think they're so cute, so attractive. I had a crush on them. Because they are. They Thank you. Thank you. Uh, they're beautiful humans. And I'm just into them. I don't know. I just find them very beautiful. And I know a lot of women think similarly about who we would view as like exotic because they're not the standard, you know, you know, what John Doe or whatever. And um they're not the american media ideal right or they're and they're maybe not who we've been around and so they are exciting and new to us and ooh, they have an accent okay whether they're you know these european guys are just just different people are kind of exotic to us they're interesting and therefore we find them attractive do we tangibly foresee a healthy and successful and sustainable relationship with them Maybe we probably fantasize about it and having, you know, having those movie moments, but I don't, I think, I think, so let me just, so just to say that that's touching on attraction. So I think it's appropriate that all of us can be attracted to a wide range of people. Um, and Hey, if some smoking hot Indian guy comes up to me and it says, Hey, do you want to go on a date? Heck yeah. <laughs> Tell my boyfriend later, but, um, I'll be back in a few hours. <laughs> And it's funny though, because I, to your point, James, is I've had this like interesting attraction to a wide variety of people, but at the end of the day, who am I in a sustainable and healthy relationship with? Freaking somebody who looks like every male in my family. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but here's- Genetics here's the, don't play around. 
Here's the problem though. Here's the problem though. So many Korean women, as sweet as they are, as smart as they are, as kind as they are, they resemble my mom or my cousin. Oh yeah. That's Absolutely. the problem, isn't it? Oh yeah. And so I think that's something for you to tap into and go deep on is, is that something you can accept and acknowledge? Cause in your whole, your whole life, you've had this, I don't want to view Korean women as beautiful because that symbolizes X, Y, and Z about American culture. And that's something I would maybe just encourage you to dive into is what is it about that, that that's having that, you know, dissonance with you. Um, so if you get to that point where you're like, you know what, maybe they do resemble things. I mean, all to say is, you know, any dark haired, tall man in theory resembles my dad and my cousins and all these people in my life. And is that weird? Yes. But is it also very true in the reality and what's working really well? Yeah. But I mean, it makes a lot of sense if yeah. you're looking at people that you have pre-existing positive relationships with, and it's not necessarily dating, but you're going to look at positive similarities mm. of, oh, this person gives me the comfort, the security, the friendship, the whatever that you're already associating with people that look like them. Mm -hmm. Where if I had a traumatic and really horrible relationship with men like that, I would probably run for the hills. And you would be looking at the polar opposite physically of that exact person. Exactly. So it seems like it's a balance between your your fantasy and and reality. What's realistically going to work in this world in the future for you? Yeah, but I would also say... I, I think maybe you're looking at it from a little, uh, as I know our dynamic has been in the past too, of maybe a little too analytical of a perspective and less focusing on what is the dynamic you're able to cultivate. And so I think it's less obsessing over or less focusing on who's realistic and stuff and more on when someone comes around, how do I capitalize on that? Hmm. Ooh. You mentioned that is, trauma. that is fantastic phrasing. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I just came you, up with you that. Mentioned, you mentioned the word trauma. You know, it seems like there's an epidemic of, of trauma among young people, an epidemic of uh, skittishness, um, you know, everything from uh, divorce, death, abandonment, uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, harassment, um, even autoimmune diseases, bad health conditions, you name it. There's an epidemic of trauma. I mean, can result, you blame them? <laughs> As a result, people are people these days are more reluctant to marry and have children than they than they used to be, and the statistics are clear on that. Like, what's your what's your theory um, as to uh, why people are are more reluctant? I mean, is it is it as simple as the trauma? And like, what like um, what would you? Yeah. Know, do you have any Do you have any insight on 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 this topic? Oh, how absolutely. To, how to cultivate How to cultivate How to cultivate confidence. Uh, in, in the person that you are dating. Absolutely. So step one, let's identify the issue. And what I think is caused a lot of the issue is, dare I say, technology. You know, people have always been broken. The crap has always happened in people's lives. There's always been, you know, disease and unfortunate deaths and abuse and all these horrible things. 
Um, but now we all know about all about all of it. And that's what they say. They're like, oh my gosh, can you believe this horrible random event happened in our community? And it's like, unfortunately, most of these horrible events have always happened in our communities, but now it's publicized. So then we're terrified to, you know, I forgot what, I forget what they're called, but it's media hysteria. Yeah. And fear marketing and the whole thing is like, now we all know about it. So what seems like such a big issue is uh, something that's been around this entire time that you're just now noticing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I think that's a big thing too, is with relationships, people have that now preconceived notion of, oh my gosh, well now we're told that over 50% of Americans end in divorce. So why should I even try? Or I experienced this as an upbringing and I know everybody else experienced it as an upbringing. So why should I even try? And so I think that's something that we have been taught and showed. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, what I was going to say too, that a lot of people forget is it's we can look at the history of America on a million different timescales, mm -hmm. but if you really look at how long it's been that women could file for divorce themselves or have bank accounts or own property or work. So, I mean, it's one thing to say, grandma and grandpa stuck it out through thick and thin. Well, grandma also couldn't leave if she wanted to. Mm -hmm. And that's, I don't think people realize how recent in our history that even is. Yep. So I think that is something that plays in too. And especially adding it with technology is not only can grandma get her own bank account, but grandma can sign up for grandmas and grandpas meet.com and start whole new relationships now. Mm -hmm. And just the drastic changes we've made in a very short time span. Absolutely. The history of dating is fascinating. And when I started studying it, I was like, what? My mind is blown because relationships used to be essentially a business relationship, a business agreement, a very formal contract. It was a company merger, but using people as collateral. Oh, right. absolutely. Ar arranged marriages based on, uh, based on resumes and, and, uh, class and status and family abilities yeah yep and so with that and then I would say it also merged into a little bit of think more of our grandparents era where it's like okay and actually mentioned this in my book too of farm boy from a good enough family and they're like all right time to get married and then they're like okay here's a girl in town she's decent enough sweet let's get married we need some that we need this partnership because he needs to work the fields and she needs to you know manage the home and this needs to have that dynamic in order to have that social and societal societal acceptance and so now that we've shifted into this strong era of independence that's the cornerstone of modern relationships oh absolutely mm -hmm. so having We're everyone being able to live on their own is making relationships a choice and it's the new version of instead of a dowry it's now what do you bring to the table what what is your what is your new age dowry mm, what can you provide me that i can't do what can you provide on me my own? exactly exactly are, are, we just, are, are, are we just too picky simply because 
now we are able to survive and flourish as singles. Are we just too darn picky now? In a lot of ways, yes. <laughs> because our priorities- I, I unintentionally feel very called out, but I'm fine with it. <laughs> I think because our priorities have shifted, just like we said, it's, it's less of if paralysis of options or whatever they call it is by having the potential for the grass being greener later, it totally skews our mindset of this is who I have in front of me, take it or leave it. It makes you judge every single blade of grass exactly. versus the field entirely. Yep. So I do think in a lot of ways we are too picky, but also we have that luxury now to decide what we want instead of having three options of the only moderately eligible people Here in the, the town three men. within a hundred miles. Here are the three men from three neighboring farms. Exactly. Or maybe even here are three men that are all brothers from one farm. Either way, you're moving to that farm. Yep. Pick the man that you're moving there with. Oh, for sure. And then your sister picks the other man. And, <laughs> and then if you don't plan fast enough, your sister gets the better cow. It's a whole big thing. But that's the thing is it's, it's just shifted so much. It really has. Mm -hmm. So if I was in a small town without access to a million quality men, I definitely take the decent one at hand and one that you think is going to be a, as good as it gets as a partner. So now we have that luxury of who's actually going to be the best option for me. And that's caused this whole interesting journey of dating for everybody. It's yeah. like, it's the difference between McDonald's and the Cheesecake Factory. It's, you know, what's on the dollar menu and you know exactly what you're going to get on the dollar menu, or you have the 30 pages book of the Cheesecake Factory. Mm -hmm. And when you're going through that 30 page book, you're always going to wonder, did I get the right one? Or should mm -hmm. I have, or should I gotten the rotisserie chicken on page three? Right. Well, versus, that's also versus if you're ordering a Big Mac, you know you're getting a Big Mac. Right. Yeah. And that's actually a beautiful element that I've learned about matchmaking and the art that that comes in is it takes the pressure off of you and puts it on me. So someone else <laughs> makes this choice for you, and then you have the option in front of you, and you get to decide right there. So that's a choice that you're making of saying, okay, I'm not going to be focusing on the grass and greener somewhere else. I'm going to decide within this individual dynamic, if this is something I drive with or not. Because you've already put in all the legwork. Mm -hmm. So that, oh, that would absolutely take a lot of the pressure off. Yeah. Yep. So you can trust that I'm doing things on with your best interest in mind and then presenting it to you and you get to take it from there. Oh, of course. Now, how picky can I be uh, with a matchmaking service? Because, uh, I can, I must admit, I have hired matchmaking services before. And um, un unfortunately, it's a, uh, I found it a dark secret of the, of the industry that a lot of matchmakers are, I mean, you're qualified, but a lot of matchmakers are, are, are woefully underqualified. Uh, and there's also this pressure um, to, to be more open because like you, you want, you want to get your money's worth out of the matchmaking service. So you're under pressure to be really open and, uh, and, uh, rather than hiring the matchmaker to find what, what you really want, which is why you would spend that money to begin with. So it, it's kind of this um, 
not so ideal recipe. Like what are your, what are your tips on like how to interact better, better with your matchmaker? Uh, first reaction. Yes. You're being too picky. Uh, <laughs> is that if she's encouraging you to be more open-minded, you should probably be more open-minded. And it's hard because with matchmakers, people tell us this and they say, okay, I want this, 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 and this. And we say, sorry, we're not a build a boyfriend service or we're not a build a girlfriend service. And we, we have to find humans, not ideal specimens that have each part that we can put together. And I've actually talked about this well before I was a matchmaker is we subconsciously, especially women like myself, where we had a lot of guy friends, this is an interesting theory that I came up with called the build a boyfriend theory is women like me who've had a lot of guy friends, we were subconsciously create building a boyfriend and then never finding that person in real life that we actually wanted because oh, so we what, were, is, mm-hmm. what is too picky then? Um, like, so I know for years, for years and years, I've struggled, you know, thanks, thanks to, you know, the, the Christian community, like I've struggled with this idea that, you know, looks don't matter. It's all about character. And, and, and I've tried forcing myself to date women that, you know, just didn't do it for me in the, in the physical attraction um, department. And unfortunately, like, I can't skip that step. I have to be physically attracted before I can move on to like finding deeper rapport and, and finding deeper uh, areas of attraction with like, what, what is, what is too picky then? How do I know I'm being too picky? couple things is from a dating aspect, are you setting yourself up for success? So are you creating an environment that is allowing you to cultivate chemistry? And so chemistry doesn't just exist because someone's hot or not. Chemistry is a dynamic. It's thank you, Iris. Uh, chemistry is this, is this dynamic. It's this energy exchange. It's there's so much that goes into it beyond, oh yeah, they're a hot person or they're not. And that's something that I think you do have control over is, are you really setting yourself up for success? Are you putting this woman that might have potential based on what, you know, based on what you see on paper, are you putting both of you in an environment that maybe is a little more romantic or allows you to be a little more playful or a little more physical and kind of just create that, that, that spark, that energy, that sexual tension, things like that. If you create that, most people are surprised on who they're capable of falling in love with. <laughs> it takes that. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But then I'm, I'm totally with you, Katie, because there's there, you can sit there and any one of us can sit there with a magazine, hot, not hot, hot, not hot, because yep. we all have our own personal attractions. Mm-hmm. And we could disagree or agree on any of that all day, but there is a certain amount of walking in and going at a glance before I even speak to you. This is already how I've decided how I feel. Yep. And that is, and that is a big thing too, mm-hmm. because I mean, I, I'm not going to name names, but I've dated men that I had amazing relationships with that when I looked at them, when I first met them, I went, no, absolutely not. That's not even close to my type. But that didn't mean that I didn't connect with them on an emotional, psychological, whatever level Mm -hmm. where I then got an attraction 
I, I, I got the physical attraction because I knew who they were. Mm-hmm. And that was far sexier than how they looked. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's a beautiful statement. I think the reality of practicing that or understanding how to embody that is the challenge for most humans. Oh, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. really hard. Yeah. You, you know, you, you mentioned setting yourself up for success. And I know for me, like I've, it seems like I've had an endless streak of after one to three dates, you're a good person, but no chemistry. You're a good person, but no attraction. You know, perhaps some of that has to do with maybe I'm, maybe I'm fishing in the wrong pool and maybe I'm trying to attract what's not attractable to the type of person I am, which kind of leads me to, to my next few questions. Um, the first is, um, you know, it's no secret that our world is, um, our, our nation is politically divided in, in the last, um, you know, five to six years. Um, both sides are accusing each other of being unloving, ignorant, uneducated, um, lacking compassion, lacking wisdom, um, just both sides are- It's amazing are, uh, how it's the same attacks reworded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In and, every yeah, direction, both, yeah. Both sides, you know, in a, I think there's this psychological desire to, you know, be wanting to be part of a tribe means, you know, excluding the others that are not part of the tribe. And now we add the Rona and the jab. So, um, you know, the, the, the ones that are pro jab are saying that if you don't get the jab, you're a murderer and, and you're not loving the ones that don't get the jab are, are treating it like it's unkosher, like it's something unclean, you know, they call themselves pure bloods. Like, how do you, how do you navigate Pure blood. What kind of Harry Potter crap is that? I've not heard that before. How, how do you I was navigate like, pure this? blood? I'm like, this is is Draco Malfoy sitting there? Iris, I wouldn't I have lie questions. to you. I have questions. <laughs> I have so na- many questions about this. How do you navigate this this politically divided world in dating? Like, uh, I I I feel like I you know I feel like I uh, yeah I'm not a match uh, for. Um, the type of views that you have, but at the same time, I feel like it's so silly that we're excluding each other just because of this. It is. It's very silly. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. And it's neglecting the humanity in each person. Oh, absolutely. It's putting each one into a box and saying this or that, yes or no, and um, pointing fingers and being rude and the whole deal. And so, oh, it's absolutely a hot mess. And I don't know, aside from feeling comfortable in your skin, at peace with who you are and your beliefs, relatively open-minded to the humanity and seeing the humanity in other people and seeing them as such. And so when you can see another person and say, what is it? They're like, you are not your beliefs. Oh, absolutely. And we don't need to uh, identify too strongly with those beliefs because we are an individual first and then our beliefs follow that and whatever that may mean. And and so I think that's an element, but real quick, James, to touch back on, um, you talk about, you talked about, you know, going on a handful of dates, you're a nice guy, but not feeling the chemistry whole thing. As you know, this is my bread and butter. And so, um, I then say, what are you projecting? What kind of energy are we putting out that's turning women away? Because until you have several women falling in love with you at the same time, there is not an issue with who you're finding. 
So, or that's that's know. really interesting you say that until you have several women fall in love with you at the same time, which is kind of kind of against um, your instincts when you grow up in the church because you you don't want several people falling in love with you at the same time because that's kind of that kind of sounds scandalous. But oh yeah, in other words, you're setting a high bar. You're setting a high bar. It's saying until you have a lot of people falling in love with you, there's not a problem. And so some people will say like, oh, well, that's unethical or, oh, yeah, it's scandalous or it's too egotistical, whatever. It's like until it's reality, it's not an issue. So your goal should be to get that to happen. And so how do you create that to happen is to have the most attractive energy ever that you're irresistible to a lot of people. By the way, I just want to note, um, until there is an agreement to be exclusive, you're not required to be exclusive and it's not a moral issue. Correct? Amen. Correct. So let's, now that you brought it up, let's talk about I mean, I also think, like, I I absolutely agree, but what I will say is if you're thinking that your feelings are going to be hurt or someone else's feelings are going to be hurt, then you need to have that conversation. Yep. Because it's, it's one thing to say, like, oh, yeah, no, we have no boundaries and we don't have to say that, you know, we're exclusive, but... If you're acting exclusive mm-hmm. and then going out with others, then you really need to have that conversation. Yep. And too, with, in addition to that, um, James, you had mentioned before as well as, and if you don't mind if I was touching on it, is the ghosting versus a message versus how do you end things with someone? And did I say that correct? Okay. How, what I would respond is saying, this is one of my favorite one-liners, the expectation of communication must be proportionate to the established relationship. Ah, so you're, Absolutely. You still stand Absolutely. by that one. I stand by it wholeheartedly. So let's say it again. The expectation of communication must be proportionate to the established relationship. James, can that be the tagline for this episode? Yes. Because it's perfect. And I agree because it seems like, especially in the Christian community, we, uh, we've, we've deemed ghosting like a mortal sin, maybe like two steps under a mortal sin. But, but here's the thing, like, and then people ask themselves, oh, how can I like ethically honorably reject someone? I'm like, dude, come on. It stings every time. Um, Honestly, I'd rather be ghosted if we're in the early stages. The non-communication is the communication, is, is, which is what people don't realize. If you, if you give me a long drawn out text as to why you're rejecting me, that kind of hurts more. Now I have documentation of why I'm not good enough. <laughs> and, 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 and not only that, you're not considering, maybe it's better for the ghoster to ghost. Maybe he or she, it's therapeutic for him or her to, to move quickly. Maybe he doesn't want that maybe they don't want that partner, you know, stalking them and, and repeatedly saying, oh, come on, please give me one more chance. Maybe they don't want them. Maybe that, maybe I mean, it's... I think that depends on the situation. Yeah, I, I think, think you that, need to read it. Yeah, I mean, if you've been talking for, with the same person every single day and every single night for a week, and then you ghost, mm-hmm. I think that could be really traumatic. But I think if you're talking to every, to someone every single day, every single night, and you're like, you know what? not feeling it bye that's actually like i would say that's better than just disappearing into the ether yep but i'm a personal fan of the fadeaway 
<laughs> well, I think, yeah, the fade away, the fizzle, whatever you call it is, I think that's a mutual understanding and that's appropriate too. That's yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm personally a fan of the fade away of just like, I'm just going to be incredibly inconsistent for several days in a row so yeah, that I don't have to say it and I don't have to crush you but I also don't want this to keep going. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I think yeah, reading each situation. The fade away is basically like communicating with your actions that you're not interested. So, you know, you gotta, you can't just read words. Right, but like using, using a series of emojis instead of words because <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I think- That's a good one too, yeah. Either way, to be honest, I think it's lazy. I think it's taking an easy way out, which you just admitted to, but- it's, yeah, I fully admit to that. No, yeah. it is the laziest and easiest way out for me. Absolutely. And so that's, you know, that's what has been a lot easier to do. And so I, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's therapeutic to someone for them to ghost you. If it's oh, a no. True ghosting. But a if, true if, ghosting. No, that's separate. Right. But if it's like, oh, we matched on a dating app, exchanged a couple of messages, and then you just vanish. Yeah, it sucks, but oh, well. Well, right. I'm, if we're like talking here and there, and then I and I fade away, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But if I, if, if it's we're talking all the time, and I just no, then I'm not going to do the fade away because that's unfair. Right. And yeah, but like like you said, Katie. I mean, what could you possibly expect if all you did was chat online? I mean, that there's 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 nothing to there's no there there. You know, I think, I think if you went beyond like three dates or so, yes, you owe an explanation. But if all you did was like chat online or meet once. I would no, disagree no with you on that, James. I would disagree with you on that because maybe it's my generation, <laughs> but you can, I, I feel like there's a lot to be said for maybe not in person, but long conversations and actual bonding. Yeah, if there's been trust established, you need to treat it accordingly. If there's and it been doesn't no really trust matter. established, it doesn't matter. Exactly. And it doesn't necessarily matter what uh, what forum that trust was established in. But if trust is established and there is communication, it doesn't matter if it's texting or phone calls or in person. But if that connection is made, it's still then made. You need to be respectful. It doesn't matter where. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that know. touches into the Christian dating is the reason it's viewed as this horrible sin to go somebody is because there's premature trust established. And they're like, oh, let me tell you my testimony on the first date, which is really horrible. And I, we can go into that if you want me to open that can of worms, but that's so common. We were literally encouraged to do that. So then oh, if you decide you're not interested, that's like a dagger to the heart because you just shared your heart with somebody. They know your whole life story after hardly knowing them. And so here's an interesting one for you guys. The expectation, sorry, that's a different one. We just talked about that. Uh, trust equals experiences over time. Ooh. Oh no. Yeah. That's, I actually learned that from my counselor. So trust equals experiences over time. So if you've shared more experiences with someone over more time, you're going to have a deeper foundation of trust. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that that doesn't just apply to relation. Like that doesn't apply just to dating. Oh, no. I think that applies to. I, I think that should apply to every single relationship you have. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to throw in a few criticisms I have about dating within the Christian community. I think in the Christian community, there's way too much emphasis on 
being intentional. That's the buzz phrase. Be intentional with your dating. Be intentional with your interactions and be intentional with your boundaries. Well, there's a lot of talk about being intentional. In our quest to be intentional, we forgot to be natural. This is a natural process involving two human beings and their humanity. That's one thing. Number two, I feel like in the Christian community, people want a ministry partner. They want someone who's like, has like 10 out of 10 faith. Well, that'll get you a ministry partner, but you're forgetting like, I want a romantic partner. I don't want a ministry partner. So it's not enough mm-hmm. to say you have a strong faith. You also have to cultivate the, uh, the attraction and the chemistry and the deep understanding that, that comes with uh, um, a dating relationship. End of rant. And I, I think you have to know yourself and you have to know how you are beginning your dating journey and the foundation you're laying to do so accordingly. Because for example, in college with that original boy I talked about is for some reason we had it in our head that we need to start a Bible study together after only dating for two weeks. And we've only known each other for like a month. You and uh-huh. Yeah. And it was horrible. And it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going way too deep spiritually without, before we even know each other. You guys should just start a business together. You don't have the, you don't have any emotional bond yet. Right. We haven't had enough You're bonding yourself spiritually, which at this point, both of you are taking very, very seriously. So I, I imagine it's very easy to confuse and conflate the two. Yep. Yeah. And feel like you know this person more than you actually do. And, and, and I'm not going to lie. Here's where I admit. Iris knows this. I'm not going to lie. I, I want a woman who is uh, loose enough that uh, she's willing to wear a bikini during the honeymoon. So if I meet a woman who is, quote, super spiritual and believes in, in the modesty aspect of being super spiritual, well, then that's, that's not the one for me. And, I, and I'm okay with that. I have to, I have to know, you know, what, what is going to work with my wants and needs in the relationship. I think I'm going to save Katie some time and say that you're too picky. Thank you. And I think, (laughs) I just, oh, James, I love (laughs) the fact that someone wearing a bikini on their honeymoon is like, slightly scandalous and rebellious. I love how he said that she was loose she's married yeah. to him and wearing a bikini but that means she's loose right, and like this part. no we're not <laughs> no no, right. we're not. no we're not but um, just to touch on that though is like I mean I've been out of I think this the, is important yeah I've been out of this church culture for a little while now I've kind of you know been on my own journey and um I do I hate the word modest I think it's the dumbest thing ever I hate all like there's so much that taking a step back, I'm like, holy crap, this stuff is messed up. And- I mean, I, 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 I have to jump in on this because I like to refer to myself as a recovering Catholic. Okay. As in I'm recovering from the trauma of growing up Catholic mm. um, and things that you're taught, but not taught what it means in the church that one of the things Jesus said was, oh, you don't like the way she's dressed, pluck out your eyeballs. That's on you. That's on you. That's not on the woman. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of stuff like that that I didn't learn 
until way later that made me entirely rethink that religious upbringing. Yep. And I think it's, and I think it's really hard and I'm, I, I, I think it's really hard to sit there and have this ideal of what the church is telling you to be and how to date and how to act versus what's reasonable. Yeah, and realistic. And realistic, yeah. Yeah. This is the wrong word. I should have said, I don't know. Let's square. It's too late, James. It's too late. It's just a testament to the influence of the culture on people. Right. That that's why I that's why I'm sitting here going, no, no, yeah. that's that is that is what we are brought up to believe. And yeah. I'm not as as much as I enjoy teasing you, that's not really what I'm going for here. Yeah. Is just that no, it is absolutely a culture and an influence that is imparted on us on such a young age. Mm-hmm. And that's not, and I don't think that's fair. And I don't think like I, to me, I think you, knowing you the way I do, you absolutely deserve a woman rocking a bikini on your honeymoon. <laughs> you absolutely deserve that because you guys are going to be on the beach having a good time. And well, there shouldn't well, thank, be a purity for, culture for issue. Of, thank, thank you for your uh, vote of support there. I, I, your <laughs> support. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I was very close to deleting this segment. <laughs> nope. You're not, not deleting it. You're not nope. deleting it. We're All right. Well, you. well, and I right, think that, that the, goes into the... too. Huh? Oh, I was going to say, I think that just goes into too, like societally, we've over-sexualized bodies. You know, we can go down that whole thing. But I think the fact that I, I'm kind of a hippie now, if you guys don't know that, but the the fact that we're in the christian world we're encouraged that it's so celebrated things even as ext- extreme as like oh my gosh they didn't even kiss until they were engaged and things like that and it's like that's literally traumatizing in my opinion and do i know friends that have done it and that have beautiful marriages yes and are it can be done it absolutely can be done but it is not what the rules should be based around right and i think you just have to know yourself you have to trust in your ability to break the norm and explore your what's right for you and i don't believe it's cookie cutter and i don't think it's it can all be interpreted the same way because if i were that person that was expected to go from only holding hands to kissing on a wedding altar to go in full speed at night like that's literally traumatizing and you that's, hear what Chris women say that all the so time so traumatic that would be so traumatic yeah i mean i already I have a personal belief that I will never marry a man that I haven't already lived with for a year. Mm, Interesting. Because I need to know exactly what he is like 24 hours a day before I sign government paperwork saying, yes, no, here are half of my things. Yeah. I'm not, (laughs) it's, it's, that's, that's a lot for me. Yeah. That's a lot. And, and that's I, knowing yourself and knowing your journey. And I say, good for you. It's not going to be one size fits all. And that's okay. I mean, if you'd asked me 15 years ago, no, yes, absolutely. Um, we, we've, we've only kissed and now we are giving our entire lives to each other forever and for eternity. Mm-hmm. 
and you know, you know, I it's it it sounds kind of weird, but you know, there 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 are some merits to test driving before buying, as crude as that analogy is, and. And honestly, that like that is crude. <laughs> you got to understand, like there's some anachronism here because you know the Bible was written at a time when there were there was no dating. There's no dating in the Bible, so no. there was all there was all arranged marriages at around age 12, 13, 14. Now in today's world, people aren't married until their 30s or 40s. It's it's really really hard to uh, to hold out that long. It's unrealistic. So unless there's going to be a cultural, but at the same event, time, the Bible also said you weren't allowed to eat pork. And that's just because it was not clear how to properly cook pork to get rid of hookworms. So you, you have to look at it from a 2000 year later perspective. Right, right. And it's not that there's not merit to many of the things in there, but we, we now have air fryers. Like I can absolutely <laughs> cook this pork chop to completion with no salmonella or hookworms in 15 minutes and it's totally fine versus 2000 years ago i don't know if i can rustle up this fire hot enough to kill all the bacteria that will eventually murder me so i might as well just not eat this animal at all well and i think that is just piggybacking off of the the deconstructing and the whole thing that's followed into a lot of areas of culture and faith and spirituality and what's that looking like now mm -hmm. and you know the 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 even progressive new age mindsets and things like that that are shifting a lot and i think there's a lot of reasons why that's happening and it's filtering into other areas of their lives like dating and like relationships and it has it is shifting away some so in some ways away from what would be viewed as traditional values and what each of us as young adults need to decide is how to, what does that mean for me? And how do I feel about that? And am I going to, you know, stand my ground and say, this is, I want this traditional perspective, traditional perspective to, I want to live that out thoroughly in my life, or am I going to, you know, potentially take a hard look in the mirror and say, what does this actually mean for me as an individual and how, do, how I know myself and how my relationship and, with God is. And, and from you know, there, what, what level of this tradition am like from a one to 10, am I going to put mm -hmm. in? Yeah. And I know that's really so, controversial for a lot of Christians for us to even verbalize that, but like, I, oh, yeah. I believe oh, it's I important for us right now. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, because professionally, a lot of my career has dealt with people traumatized by the teachings of dating in the church and oh, yeah. it breaks my heart. And I was one of them. And I'm just really, really thankful for the things that I've learned and the things I've been able to, you know, teach and encourage and, uh, you know, coach people through by saying you are an individual and it's okay to explore that. And it's okay to understand that you have masculine and feminine energy. And what does that mean? And how do you express it? And how can you project attraction more than just telling a 15 year old boy, how dare you think about dating until you can provide for a family? Oh, yeah. So, it's, so it, there's oof. a lot to unpack there, but there's so much to unpack there, which can we have you back for an entire other episode sure. of unpacking <laughs> this? Because this is this is what I want to live in is this entire conversation. Yes. Yeah. But James, what are you going to say? Do you have a next question? Yeah. Well, hey, before before uh, we go, there there's several other topics that I uh, uh, wanted to touch on uh, because we've been 
you know, we, we mentioned rejection and confidence and, uh, you know, I think women are very oblivious to, uh, how often men get rejected, you know, cause, cause in our, in our culture, the men are the ones that initiate, they're the ones that have to put themselves out there and, and be vulnerable. And as a result, we get rejected a lot and as confident as we might be. And as much as we might, uh, cultivate confidence, affirm ourselves, it stings every time. And, and the more you're rejected, yeah. the more you start questioning, like, do I have what it takes? You know, am I good enough? Like, and, and I know, I know my, I'll give you two tips and uh, you tell me if you agree with them number for So for confidence, I think, I think the best way I've, I've cultivated confidence is by setting goals and achieving them. So, so for example, like, you know, I've, I put on this podcast, how much I've struggled with, you know, my identity as, as a, as a non-athlete growing up. And, and one big goal that I've achieved is running a half marathon under two hours. Um, that that's considered quite a milestone in the running world. And for me to be able to do that, I was like, wow, like I finally unlocked, you know, some of the potential that I never knew I had like that, that feels really good. Now I have some evidence that, Hey, in this area, Hey, I am good enough after all. So that's, that's my tip for confidence. Another tip, uh, I wanted to bring up is approach anxiety. Um, I think women are oblivious to the idea of approach anxiety it is very debilitating uh, for men to approach women. And, and there, are, there are websites on this. Um, there are, um, some people say it has to go back to like prehistoric time, anthropology. I have a very easy tips for approach anxiety. All you do, all you do, Katie, is say, I haven't met you yet. I'm James. That's cute. I like that. Okay. Wait, wait. Before before I let you go into this, Katie, what I have to jump in on Let's is he was talking about, is James talking about approach anxiety and the, the rejection that men feel? And by no means am I going to shut that down because it is absolutely accurate. But I do feel that I have to express women have the exact opposite and to an exponential degree where okay there is the rejection feeling and I don't disagree with that and I know how hard it is to approach women no issue there but what I will say is from usually an unfortunately early age women are approached in that manner every day for most of their lives. And so it is very much a, hey, 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 how you doing? You want to go out? Hey, how you doing? You want to go out? Hey. And it's, it's a constant thing. And it starts really, really young with us, like almost uncomfortably so. So if, if I could say anything, I wish there was more of an understanding between the sexes of, yes, it's hard to approach, but maybe if you guys started approaching this better earlier, it wouldn't be that bad. I think that's touching on um, one thing that men need to understand is that men need to understand that women are cautious creatures. Um, I call it men's privilege. Um, so I'm, I'm going to get very, very personal and say the very, very first time 
that a man, and I'm using that word actively, that a man approached me to ask me out on a date because I looked nice. I was 11 Mm. and he was in college. Oh. And it would be lovely to say that that was a one-off, but it wasn't. Mm. And it was just, it, it was a consistent thing throughout the entirety of my life where men are approaching me and only viewing me with one lens. Mm. and I I all of the women in my life have very similar experiences where men started approaching us when we were way too young for them to be doing so Mm. and so it's and so so many of us are just like barrier blocking this no no no, I don't know you, but I am rejecting you. I am pushing you off because of the approach. It doesn't feel sincere. It doesn't feel okay. And we've been doing this for so much of our lives. And, 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 I, and I don't mean to say my tip to be cavalier. Like one of the reasons why I suggest I haven't met you yet, my name is James, is because too often men No, are, that's solid. That's absolutely solid. And you should stick with that. Too often men are uh, anxious about what to say mm-hmm. to a woman. So that so then they then they get analysis paralysis. Too often men have an agenda. They they prejudge the women as, oh, she's so hot. Now I'm nervous as to what I'm gonna say. Take both of that away. Make it all about your curiosity. I genuinely want to meet somebody new and have a nice, comfortable conversation with her. I love that. I absolutely love that because what I will say, as a woman of dating age, if more men approach me as a human rather than prey, Hmm. man, my dynamic would be so different. Yeah. Katie, Hmm. thoughts on approach anxiety and confidence? So many thoughts. This is so good, you guys. Um, First of all, Iris, thank you for sharing that and your vulnerability. That's super hard. And the interesting an interesting point is I will say I've had a very different experience than that. And that's I'm, I'm, I'm really jelly. sad. I'm jelly. You know, like truly, like I feel genuinely sad because I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't either. I was oblivious to it, which is very possible because I'm a pretty oblivious person, but I fortunately, I, and there were some fishy things. Most women have had unfortunate situations of some sort of harassment or, you and know, I, I mean, I know my 11 was fairly early. Mm-hmm. But most of the women in my life, it wasn't that far off mm-hmm. when it happened to them. They might have been 12, 13, 14. Yeah. And it was still too early for the age of men that approached them. Yeah. Yep. And there's an element, too, of like when you started talking, I was like, oh, she's going to say this. And you went a totally different direction. And I was like, whoa. So what I was thinking you were going to say is a, a lot of women don't have like unless you're a hot girl you've hardly had any boys ever approaching you and that's a reality too oh no absolutely there are so many women that throughout their years are like do boys not like me at all what's happening and then as a dating coach we dive into that ton but I think I think it goes both ways I think 
for you know even me personally it's like I always I like these boys and they never like me back and I'm like what the heck why don't you like me back and that was super hurtful and sad and I had to go through this whole journey and I feel like I got rejected a ton and it's like what on earth and so I, think I mean, don't get me general. wrong. It was never the boys that I liked doing that. Exactly. <laughs> Which, ah, uh, if I'm going to be sexually harassed as a child, can at least be one of the children that I like? Well, God. I think, I think it's like everything is ruined by the weirdos. And every time, every in, time. In all areas of life is, you know, men's perceptions of things are ruined by weird the weirdos and women's perceptions of things are ruined by the weirdos and so that's why with good-hearted people and matching up good-hearted people with good-hearted people we have to work through our own issues in the sense of someone with similar to your female experience is how can we I've actually one of my best friends has a very similar experience and she has this brick wall where I'm like girlfriend you got to start taking off some of these bricks to let I'm some sure, of these men through. I'm sure she and I have the same mortar specialist for our fortresses. What? The, am- <laughs> the amount of expansions I put into my fortress right. because it was required. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you. Yeah. And so that's something that there is a lot of inner work to do on that sense to say how can you get to the point where you can trust men and you can take a man that approaches at face value and say okay I know I have all these preconceived notions and histories but how can I take this person and again like we touched on earlier how do I see the humanity in him right exactly so then James to touch on your part is the approach to it and by using that and being authentic and believing that and saying I want to see the humanity in you people will re- well, people will feel that but it, that's the, the thing, authenticity is, like, is always palpable yep always authenticity is very attractive and you and we, women will sense it a mile away i was gonna say we, we can we can smell the authenticity and we can smell the desperation like three counties away. yep yep we Amen. know we know mm-hmm so let's touch on your things of confidence. Um, I love your ideas of having goals. That's really great. Pursue, pursue goals, pursue achievements. And that's actually the masculine energy. And so ha- really enforcing that. And also with that, I would say practicing decisiveness is a really good skill as men to cultivate that masculine energy. Um, practice things. It sounds silly, but like think of your, you know, tribal nature of you know pick things up put things down yeah like (laughs) and you know work out lift things whatever it's like that actually there's a lot to it because it does uh it helps it helps those pheromones energy yep and then in order to be viewed holistically attractive you also need to tune into your feminine energy and your feminine energy is the soft understanding and it's a lot of are you emotionally in tune? Can you? No read woman a wants to cuddle against a brick wall. Oh, yep, yep. And having that balance is really, really important for people to see. They want to see you as strong and but available, empathetic. Yep. Yeah, good. Having good social radar. So you know, um, a woman might reluctantly say yes, but I'll take. I gotta have that social radar and read that and say, no, nah, that's a non-committal no. 
Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think focusing on intuition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's an element with like the bad guy, remember? Um, Or focusing on why do, why do good girls go for bad, you know, the bad guys. And it's because they're exciting. And so that's part of something that men need to, the nice guys do need to kind of figure out how to appeal to that part of women's sexuality and attractiveness as to how do, how do you be a quality, quality good guy with a little bit of an edge? How do you be yeah. a good bad guy? Maybe yes. I think that's my problem. I'm just not like you, you pay the bills on your finance, Harley. I'm just, I'm just not Hollywood enough. What can I say? It's not Hollywood though. That's the thing. It's, it's, it's excitement. It, it's an understanding of what makes the brain tick. Mm. No. I think it's, I think it's letting loose and saying, screw it. Not only wear a bikini, but let's go to a nude beach and see what happens. Like that. Hey. And I say that wait, what? Wait, 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 wait. I think it's about being exciting. I think it's about being exciting. You guys are making fun of me for the for for, for the bikini, and now now we're talking uh, now we're talking new beaches now. <laughs> Do you see how uncomfortable? I was I'm supportive so of the funny. bikini, sir. I was yeah. supportive. And and that's the but thing, though. I'm I but what I'm thinking is, all right, you want your girl to show up in a bikini? What are you showing up in that's equivalent? And it's not even, are you physically attractive, but how are you carrying yourself? How are you carrying yourself? What confidence do you have there? You have time for three more, Katie? Let's do one more. One more. Okay. Hmm. Unless you can tie two of them together. (laughs) Well, so on, you know, the, your, going along with your primary theme, you know, this is, this is our last topic before we, um, close going on your theme of like helping helping the kind-hearted guys looking for first dates are there good venues good activities to to meet the good women uh like because i could tell you one 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 venue that has never worked for me is church i have never gone more than three dates with a woman that goes to my church simply because um Many women at church are not emotionally available. They're 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 going there because they're hurt and need healing. So they're not in a place that they want to. I date. mean, I kind of want to jump in that you're specifying like I need to meet good women, but without a definition of what that means. Well, you can fill in the blanks. What the women that are good yeah. for you? What what? Oh, okay. okay what what are funny. the? Uh, what do you suggest are good venues, good activities to meet potential dates? Like I enjoy hockey, but that's not there's not enough women there. So what are what are some good uh, venues or activities? I definitely thought at first you were saying you go on up to three dates at church with someone. And I was like, oh gosh, what are you doing? Like, do not take a girl to a date at church. Do not go to a date at church. Communion is not dinner. No. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, my whole thing, no coffee dates, the whole deal is do not go on a coffee date instead, go on an activity. So when you have that first date, focus on what I call activity versus interview. So you don't want to be interviewing the the person you want to create a shared experience and then have a bond that way. And therefore you're establishing trust, you're establishing a dynamic, you're cultivating chemistry. So are there, are there like, are there activities or like good places to go that like, you know, if you're single and you're looking for 
for a woman that's good for you? Uh, this is a great place. Um, okay. Hear me out. If you are doing the work where you ha- give off an attractive energy, I found as a female Thursdays at five 30 at the grocery store are when all of the hot guys go grocery shopping. That's solid advice. That is solid advice. Thank you. Thank you. Cause think about it. Weekends are coming. They know they have to think at some capacity and be prepared. I want my so groceries go before work. Saturday night, before Friday night. Mm-hmm. Cause they have plans this weekend. So they're going to get them now. So that's something I observe. If, and if you have attractive energy, you can approach it as such. Um, but I love that. Oh my God. I love that. Thank you. It was that fun. Um, you can meet anybody anywhere if you are energetically attractive enough. And I know that's super hippie sounding, but if, but it's true, it's really true. You'll start to attract quality people into your life. The more in tune you get with yourself and how you're able to connect with other people, things like that. So, um, I I have friends from the last six years that I met in jury duty. (laughs) I love that. But if, if you have the right energy, you can meet someone anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I will say I've met really quality people through their music festivals, sports, um, tournaments, um, I worked at a restaurant and I found a guy I started dating. He just came up to the host stand, which is like super adorable. And you'd think that happened all the time. It doesn't. And it was so sweet. So, um, and another- a lot of this, a lot of this is to really ground yourself after a long days, long day of work and really ground yourself and muster up the energy and don't take the stress of the work day with you after work is done. It's a new day. It's a new time. It's all about putting out out. the right energy, the right energy. And think of what you're attracted to. So you also want to just like marketing, you need to speak to the target audience. What is your primary demographic? Yeah. Who are you trying to attract and then act accordingly and behave accordingly? So if you're trying to attract someone who is fun, sweet, lighthearted, you need to not only embody those things, but be receptive to when you start to experience them, even if it's from a granny, but you're recognizing she's being kind to you, acknowledge that and start to practice that dynamic. Grammy has a granddaughter, like work with that. (laughs) Yep. And, um, I will say too, in order to meet people, I'm a big fan of not, I like strangers. So the more you can connect with strangers that you initially are like, oh, I see them as a potential. Again, women have two ladders. We have, which I like that is we have, yep, they're potential for me. Nope, no thanks. And if you see someone in your ladder, you know, um, acknowledging that and saying, okay, I like strangers. So I would, I would prefer to pursue someone that I'm just impression within the ladder than um, someone in my social space. So then there's higher stakes there. Um, and I know it's million dollar, whatever issue. I really am an advocate for dating apps. I think when used responsibly, they're a great resource. I think there are a lot of strategies that I teach about in my book. If you want to grab that and 
there are ways to be successful and effective. And I personally found a lot of success using my, my own strategies and we're doing super well and hopefully we'll be taking big steps forward soon. And it's, um, thank you. And we're doing great. And it's because utilizing effective strategies goes a long way and knowing and feeling comfortable and confident and also having an abundance mindset and not having like, it's tricky because you don't want to say the grass is always greener, but you also want to feel like I affirm I'm able to attract quality people. Well, the grass is greener where it's watered and fertilized mm-hmm. and taken yep. care of. Yep. So yeah. the grass is always greener if you take care of it. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to look at your neighbor that has, you know, automatic sprinklers and manure and everything. And you have weeds and you can complain about it mm-hmm. without thinking about the work and time and effort that goes into why that grass is greener. Yep. And, and I and I love what you're saying because it can be taken not just to dating, but these are things that can be spread across all so many, if not all of your life experiences. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I will say, uh, just last thing, sorry, real quick, is to touch on what you're saying is, um, approach-wise, I have a client I've worked with and he is a funny duck and he just has the fire of, I am going to find this woman. I don't totally agree with that, but he, what I love about him is he had that ambition and that confidence to literally every time he found a semi-eligible woman. So within his age range, within his attraction field, within his league, he would approach her. Oh, I love period. it. I love it. He would just practice. And he, he was like, yeah, Katie, so today I went and practice approaching women in the park. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's really bold. But like, you better be doing that tactfully. Um, but not like with a trench coat, but also I love the fact that you called him a funny duck. Like that's, <laughs> I'm bringing that into my vernacular. I love that. Please do. So I will say there are ways to practice, to become more comfortable, to not internalize rejection as much, but real, you know, understand that it is part of the journey and how to be effective with it, with how you're approaching what you're doing and making sure you're projecting the right energy to attract. Well, Katie, um, gosh, this was so much information and I know we can go forever and ever on this topic. So where can, where can we reach you? How can we buy your book? Where can we learn more about your services online? Where can I get your book? I need your book. Thank you. Thank you. So I have a website right now. My katiesir.com is under construction. So I've got katiesir.square.site is the book is the site that I can sell my books from. And I can write you a little love note on the inside and sign it for you. And that's how you can support me best directly. Also, it's available on Amazon and hopefully fingers crossed we're working on getting it into Barnes and Noble, which is really exciting. That's a big deal. Really excited. Thank you. So Amazon's the easiest, obviously, but, um, buy from me directly to support me more, which I really appreciate. You can also find me on Instagram at Katie underscore sir. And I, if you're curious about matchmaking services, I'd love for you to reach out as well and connect with me directly. So then I can tell you a little bit more about it. And I have quite a few links on my Instagram too, that you can follow there. I love it. Well, thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your visit to Southern California. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Appreciate it.